Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Tanya Luna is the co-CEO of Life Labs Learning. She is an author, having written two books, Tanya, one book? One for now, but another one in the making. <laughs> one for now, another one in the making. She writes for Psychology Today. She is the co-host of the Talk Psych to Me podcast. Excited to have you on Maximize. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Super excited to be here. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Okay. Well, it feels feel like you kind of already summed it up really well. So <laughs> to, to add a little bit between the lines there, I mean, personally and professionally, I'm a major, I would say psychology nerd is how I would describe myself. I, in particular, am a huge fan of surprise psychology. So the book that I, the first book that I wrote or co-wrote is called Surprise. I am a major leadership development and skill building nerd, kind of like super fan, you might say. Um, and I'm co-CEO of a company that gets to combine those things, which is one of the things I really appreciate about my life is that I get to blend my personal with the professional. So at Life Labs, we train managers, executives, teams at over 700 really innovative organizations at this point. And we focus on the skills that people need to be better leaders, better employees, and better humans. Awesome. And I guess to get at yeah. your why question, which I love, um, I think the workplace is this dojo that we can use to master life's most useful skills. And you can either go into work each day and feel frustrated and confused and hurt and insecure, or you can spend each day turning your workplace into this ultimate classroom so you can use it to hone your human skills, becoming more curious, connected, more confident. Nice. Well, like, that's awesome. All right. So there, there's a lot of good stuff that, that, that I'm interested in jumping into. I, I guess first and foremost, I don't know that I'm familiar with the psychology of surprise, so I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, sure. I mean, in short, surprise is what happens in our brains when something misexpected or unexpected happens. So basically the year 2020, we're in a perpetual <laughs> state of surprise. Oh my God. So, yeah. So for the brain, surprise is one of our most intense emotions, which explains a lot of what we're feeling these days. It intensifies emotions, every other emotion, like joy and sadness and fear and anger. If you mix surprise in, so if any of those things is unexpected, it intensifies those emotions by about 400%, uh -huh. which also explains some of the intensity of what we're feeling. Um, but it also just, it puts our brains into this really alert state, which could be a really wonderful thing if it's a positive surprise or it could be a really exhausting thing if it's a negative surprise that's that is super interesting right there which is i imagine why you study it uh it intensifies emotions <laughs> by 400 percent. so all right so when i'm scrolling social media and i i see something that is it surprises me and then it has the effect of making me super happy or excited or the opposite. It just enrages me and I then yeah. spin out of control and, and 2020 has been giving us no shortage of, of stuff like that. So that, that, that's, that's a powerful thing that 
I don't know that I recognized or I didn't know uh, the the multiplier effect that it really has. Yeah, and I would even say that as you're scrolling through social media, if you can learn to recognize that feeling of surprise, one of the things that it teaches you about yourself is that there were expectations that you had that maybe you weren't even aware of. Hmm. So when you do feel surprised, it's an opportunity to reflect and say, what can I learn about myself and what I was expecting about people or about the world? And surprise We've evolved to feel surprise as a learning mechanism, which blends my love of surprise and my love of learning, because when we're surprised, if we use it well, we use it as an opportunity to go, okay, what can I learn from this moment so that I'm less surprised next time? Why am I so shocked by this new information? <laughs> <laughs> because surprise is so overlooked as an emotion. I get so upset about this, about, for example, um, what was that movie, Inside Out? Yeah. The Pixar movie. Sure. Surprise wasn't listed as one of the emotions. For oh. some reason, <laughs> wow. we don't we don't really think about surprise. I think that before my co-author and I wrote the book on surprise, the last person who really spent their full career focusing on it died in like the 1800s. So for some reason, even though surprise is all around us, we don't notice it. And I think that's because when we're surprised, the whole purpose of surprise is to get us to focus on the thing that's surprising us versus the surprise itself. So it probably has a lot to do with it. For me, it's been really interesting to be able to recognize the emotion because then I could notice the thing that's surprising me and why am I surprised right now? How do I feel and what is it making me want to do? And again, how can I learn from it so that I'm less surprised next time? Nice. Surprise gets left out. People focus on on the thing that surprises you versus the actual act of being surprised and why is it that I'm triggered? What, what, what are my expectations? Wow. That's nice. I, I I don't know that I've, 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 yeah, well, there you go, Tanya. Tanya, If you're surprised by that, by the the very concept of surprise, (laughs) what might be going on in your brain right now is you're probably, your brain is starting to spin with questions and you're, you're, probably like questioning things about your past or how you look at the world. And that's exactly the function of surprise as well. It actually triggers us to be curious, to start asking a whole bunch of questions. So it can be a really powerful emotion for development, for growth. Yeah. If, if we are able to, to take that second step or that next step and recognize, okay, yes, this is an opportunity for me. And, and why, why, why am I thinking about this that way? Nice. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, you got it. That's awesome. All right, so you talk about how you are working. You're you're going into the workplace. It's 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 this dojo. It's this opportunity. Much like the actual feeling or emotion of surprise is an opportunity. Well, the workplace is also an opportunity, but it's only an opportunity if you recognize it as such, and then you are intentional about actually doing something about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the way that we think about the workplace is it's a place where you can develop the skills that will actually make every one of those next days better. And what we found through our research at Life Labs is not all skills are created equal. There are some skills that maybe have a 1% impact on your ability to do better work and to bring in, you know, kind of bring out the best in yourself and others. And then there are some skills that we think of as tipping point skills. And these are the small changes that have disproportionate impact. So for example, we found that if you master your question skills, as I think you have listening to your show, 
if you master your question skills, that tips over into areas like influence and negotiation and sales and customer service and coaching, but it all starts with those tipping point skills. What are the smallest changes that have the biggest impact? So that's what we've gotten really excited about in terms of both our research and the training that we do with companies at Life Up Learning. Nice. I appreciate that. Um, it does seem pretty obvious that, that yeah, we are, we are an organization. We've got these people that, 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 that are working here. We have all these interactions going on. And if we can tool these people up or retool or, or give them new skills, that would probably be, you know, I don't know if we can measure it right now, but certainly over the long term, if we're playing that longer term game, that would be a great benefit. But I imagine yeah. not, not all organizations think that way. Well, I, I think that there's still this belief in a lot of organizations, that especially when it comes to things like people skills, which is a lot of what we focus on. We focus on leadership skills, self-management skills, collaboration, communication, things like that. I think there's this belief that you will, as humans, will eventually figure it out, like throw us in there and we'll eventually get there. And when I think about that, I think about my mother and I think about my mother's approach her entire life probably 50 years or so now she's been trying to get better at swimming Okay, and it hasn't worked out great it's for not, her. So still, in her sixties now, you know, again, like probably 50 years of experience at swimming because she's never actually focused on developing swimming skills. She's still stuck splashing around in the shallow end, like choking on chlorine half the time. And if she only took the time to go, wait a minute, what are the skills that I actually need to develop? And what we do at Life Labs Learning is we go, okay, what are the most important skills and how can you reduce the time it takes to master those skills so that we're not all collectively splashing around in the shallow end and instead we're getting to a place where we have the skills to get into the deep end and really cool stuff happens in the deep end. Like think about times in your work life where you felt trapped in the shallow end where it was like arguments and miscommunication and confusion and you get to the deep end and that's like scuba diving and I can't take this metaphor much further because I've never been scuba diving but it seems really cool and awesome really stuff fun. down there <laughs> awesome stuff right and you can never ever get there if all you're relying on is well eventually I'll figure it out because we don't figure it out people skills take hot People skills are skills just like any technical skill. And if we treat them as though they're a thing that will eventually emerge with enough effort, again, we're stuck in the shallow end. There's a lot of good stuff to get into, but I really, I think it's important that somebody has an intervention. It sounds like you could really help your mom. How, how, how come you haven't? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that, <laughs> I think that, the thing that really holds her back is a couple of things. And I think that this is also a good lesson for all of us in other areas of life, aside from, uh, aside from swimming. One is she's not particularly receptive to feedback. Mm. <laughs> and so it goes both ways. On the one hand, we need to help people learn. On the other hand, we have to help ourselves learn. It's got to go both ways. I can't force you to get better at anything, at feedback skills, at delivery skills, at prioritization, at swimming skills. So that's that's one one um, one of my diagnoses. I feel like I'm in therapy. And then I think the other thing is that um, I think that she's she's scared. 
And I think that's very much the case with other people skills. It requires getting out of your comfort zone. It requires doing something that feels unfamiliar and kind of unnatural and risky. And we see this a lot in the workshops where we te- that we teach where people go, <gasps> people are going to be able to tell that I'm trying this new thing mm-hmm. or what if I do it and it comes across as awkward. And at the end of the day, we have to be willing to get to the pot of gold on the other side of awkward. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, 100%. That is uh, this conversation about safe spaces, which has been taking place probably forever, but it's been more on my radar for probably mm-hmm. the past five, 10 years. Um, so an organization needs to be able to create that and you need to be able to create that when, when you're working one-on-one or in a group of people, because you're going to be awkward and you're, you're, you're going to screw up. Um, right. That it, this, this idea that, that you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Hey mom, I'm, I'm an expert swimmer. I can teach you how to swim, but mom's not interested in hearing that from you. Um, so I, I guess how, how often are organizations also sort of concerned about that say, you know what, this is not, it's not our job or we're not interested in teaching people how to be better interpersonal communicators. So the thing that we've been incredibly fortunate with at life of learning is that when we go into these companies, generally the company is bringing us in because people have been begging for more growth and development opportunities. It's incredibly rare that we will go into a workshop you know, whether virtually or back in the day in person and see people who are resistant to learning because learning is about making your life easier. Learning is about feeling yourself become more effective, feeling yourself make a bigger difference. And so I think as long as the learning isn't positioned as you're doing a bad job and we have to fix you and it's positioned as we believe in you, we want to invest in you, people are incredibly hungry for actually more development. Nice. Well, I am glad to hear that. I'm not surprised to hear that, but 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 I'm very glad. So you have this incredible toolkit, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, of different trainings and skills. How do you, how does an organization decide what what to roll out? That's part of our job. So one of the things that we do is when companies contact us, we'll never just recommend something without diagnosing the need and understanding where do they want to be and where are they currently and what's the gap. That said, some of the things that we've learned along the way is that a very common gap is in the level of management or leadership. So where we often begin with an organization is by spending time making sure that those managers within the organization, they can be equipped to be catalysts for growth and development and progress and productivity, both for their direct reports and their teams. But we notice that when managers are really scaled up, they also have this really positive impact on their peers because it's creating this positive social pressure and they move that positive pressure upward as well at the level of the executives. Many leadership companies we notice will start with executives and they'll say, get your executives trained up and then that will sort of trickle down throughout the organization. And we've seen that actually while that approach seems really logical, what works much more effectively is actually prioritizing that kind of middle group because again, there are these catalysts for impact above them, below them, and across the organization. Which certainly makes sense. Um, 
you know, I, I guess it intellectually makes sense both ways. Uh, but it seems to me that yes, if you were interested in really making uh, having an impact, you would want to go directly to to the managers. So nice. Yeah. I love it. Um, at the risk of 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 taking another hour today. I'm just going to ask anyway. I'm I'm really passionate about this idea of of self management. Um, from from your perspective, you mentioned that that people are really hungry for learning and 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 development. Um, is is that a is that a conversation and a topic that's 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 pretty popular? Oh my gosh, yes! And also, I so much share your passion for self management. One of the things that we've bumped into, just to address really briefly at Life Labs, is this question of: well, We do manager training, but what does that even mean? And what aspect of the people manager's role is about leadership versus managing work versus managing people? And the perspective we take, based on our research on of looking at what do the most skilled and most effective managers do differently is they don't really manage people. They, they help people manage themselves. They create systems and cultures and climate for this environment where people are inspired to show up and do great work. And then they empower their teams to manage themselves. So I think the best teams are this combination of people who are self-managing and then leaders who are helping remove obstacles and you know rebuild energy and create vision and direction. But I think we got to see it as this you know shared responsibility. It can't just be on someone to manage you. And I think frankly, no one really wants to be managed. So how can we support our managers by being better self-managers? And that way, they don't have to like tap us on the shoulder and remind us to do stuff, which no one likes, I don't think. Instead, we can look to those people to help us grow and to inspire us and to energize us. So I think a lot of great people management is served by great self-management. So just to get on my soapbox for a moment with you there, but in terms of, is there a lot of hunger for it? Yeah. We see this again and again, one of the biggest predictors of whether people are engaged and whether people stay at their organization is whether they feel like they're learning and growing. And so a huge part of that is about, feeling like there's a space for you here to continue to evolve and invest in your own growth as a person. I love it. Perfect. Well, Tanya, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? All right. So this is, uh, there's so many tips. So many tips. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go with this one. So everything that we've talked about so far today is about, you know, how could you create an organization or how can you as a leader help others learn and I love that you started touching on how can you help yourself learn so my tip would be schedule reflection time schedule time to actually be responsible for your own learning and growth and it could be as simple as starting every day or ending every day with the question what did I learn yesterday and what do I want to learn tomorrow and at the end of the day it's about not wasting time splashing around in the shallow end and treating every day as this opportunity to learn and to help the people around you become better at being human. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Got to get out of the shallow end. The only way we're going to do that, mom, is by learning how to (laughs) swim. And the only way we're going to do that is by developing these skills. I love it. 
Tanya, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can they engage with Life Labs Learning? Yeah, you can check us out at lifelabslearning.com or you can follow my podcast, Talk Psych to Me, which is kind of a blend of psychology and comedy. I love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tanya your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to lifelabslearning.com. Check out the Talk Psych to Me podcast. Thank you again, Tanya. Thank you. Happy learning. Yeah. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.